it's still a strong market. Um, and I suppose the message I have is that because of Brexit and lockdown, there's very much a brain drain at the moment. Um, and uh, the industry is crying out for professionals. Like there's, I've never seen so many jobs advertised. It's such a candidate's market at the moment. People are picking and choosing which jobs they want. And the power is very much in the, in the employee, not the employer. Um, and that's certainly the dynamic shift that's happened since um, since COVID uh, in the UK. I've never seen such uh, you know, companies bending over backwards for, for candidates. And it's great. It's a really, really exciting time to be in the job market. It's really exciting to be kind of seeing what else is out there. Um, companies are really getting competitive with benefits. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's really, it's really nice to see it's kind of about damn time. <laughs> The liquor industry is still struggling to recover from the effects of the harsh liquor lockdown imposed by the government of this country, and many friends and colleagues have lost their livelihoods and may have no option other than to look abroad for opportunities. In this podcast episode, we talk to Victoria Smith, brand manager for Top Champagne House Piper Heidsick. Victoria tells us about her new job and kindly gives us some insight into the UK job market. And she also shares some tips on finding employment in the UK. We also talk about trends in the UK wine industry that may be of interest to South African brand owners. Follow our podcast series Safas Abroad to hear more stories from South Africans that have found opportunities overseas. My name is Holger Meyer and this is Drinks World. Victoria Smith, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Olga. And I'm glad that you. your your LinkedIn profile popped up because there was a big announcement on LinkedIn. And, and what happened? It was. Yeah. Yes. So um, I recently joined a, a distributor in the UK called Liberty Wines, and I am the brand manager for Piper Heidsick and Rare Champagne. Wow. That sounds very yeah. impressive. It does, doesn't it? But it is also, um, it's just, you know, it's it's very nice, but it's also just, it's just champagne. It's just wine, which is great. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's it's very, it's very exciting. We first met when you worked in, in Durban. Uh, That's right. I think at VDP, one of my favorite yeah, distributors. VDP. Oh, they're great. They really are lovely. Um, yeah, I was at VDP for four years, I think. Um, working with Jan and his team, um, yeah, it really, it was one of my favourite positions. It was, it was great. I learned so much there. Um, you know, working with the London, oh, sorry, with Durban's uh, best restaurants and uh, and off trade. So uh, you know, like sort of um, Marriott Liquors and Market and you know Sean and Marcel at Ninety Nine, which all have all moved on since then. But yeah, it was, it was an amazing. Um, grounding for for my career and and really understanding about the dynamics between you know the right food and wine pairings and and how a distributor can really add value to to a restaurant and and vice versa and and also just, it really taught me the the um the value of service to to customers and, and i think that that's something that's that's really just helped um grow my career from there mm. and tell us a little bit about where were you from did you grow up in durban Yes, I did. Um, I moved to Durban when I was three. I was born in Joburg and then uh, moved to Durban when I was three. And 
we lived in Westville, um, went to Westville Girls High, uh, UKZN, and I studied um, marketing and uh, communication in English. Um, and um, yeah, it was it was lovely. It's an, it's an, you, you realise when you live overseas that growing up in a place like Durban is really special. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of issues, sure, but it's also it's also quite um, protected, and um, you know there's nothing too scary happening, um, and it's quite conservative, and and there's a lot of I think there's a lot of lot to be said for that. Mm. Um, you don't have to grow up too quickly when, yeah. when you don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After working in in Durban in the wine industry, you then moved to the UK, or where did you go? UK. Yeah, so we moved to London. So to be honest, why did I mean, you move? I always wanted to move to London. Oh. It was um, it was something that we wanted to do for for a very long time. Um, and then the uh, recession hit in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, and both my now husband and I had really good jobs, um, and we were really enjoying our, our time in Durban. So we just thought we'd we'd kind of keep it on hold and and put it on the back burner until such time that it, would, it was a better time to go. And then in, in 2013, I got married um, and um, we thought that it was probably a good time to go in 2014. Um, and uh, I moved to the UK and realised that I was a very small fish in a very big pond. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was it was very much a, a bit of a rude awakening. You know, I think um, when you know everyone, everyone knows everyone in Durban, right? Like everyone everyone just you know you can't go to the shops without seeing 10 people you know to say hello to and have a coffee with etc which is amazing but um the uh thing about london is that it's very much an anonymous city and you know those who those who are in, in the know are uh are, have been there for a very long time and um are very well established and so it takes a lot of time to to build that up and um so i um I moved into recruitment of all things, um, which was interesting. Uh, it was a very uh, sad day to step away from from the drinks industry, but um, I did worked in recruitment for for drinks and um, and FMCG, a wider FMCG, and it was great. Like I learned so much about the UK market from doing that. I think it, I would, I mean, if you don't have any direction of where you want to go as a younger person, I, I would seriously suggest recruitment as a, um, as a work, as a job for a few years, just to, to find your feet. It gives you a lot of commercial background. Um, you have to understand, you know, about pitching. It helps you with your self-confidence. Yeah. It helps you with um, just, you know, not taking no for an answer, which, <laughs> which is, <laughs> which is a good skill to have, I think. Yeah. Um, and so I did that for two years and met a lot of friends and a lot of good people. But I think that really helped me then move into my role with Australian Vintage um, in the marketing world because I didn't want to go into sales. I wanted to go into into marketing. And and I think um, being in recruitment helped me just mm. find the tools to be able to do that. So um, I moved to AVL. Um, were, which, they, were they one of your clients? No, uh, no. <laughs> um, no, but I just I saw the job advertised and I thought, huh, that's that's got my name all over it. Yeah. And um 
yeah, so there we go. That's uh, the rest of history. Um, Australian vintage of those uh, you know, people who don't know who they are because they, they have really great brands, but um, not as well known as a company. Um, they're probably a similar size to Distel or um, uh, Stellenbosch wineries, mm -hmm. if that's. Um, they are the third largest producer in Australia, um, second to Treasury and or third to tre Treasury and Accolade. Um, they're big wines and big brands in the UK are McGuigan Wines and Tempest 2. Um, they've just launched uh, a drinks arm of the business. So uh, it's a company that has lots of ambition. Um, yeah, and it's, it's, really, it's a really exciting one. There's lots of, um, lots of cool projects working that, that need to be worked on. And um, yeah, they, um, they, yeah it, was, it was a really great, great company to work on. The people obviously are, are from far and wide, um, which was great. It was nice to be in a, um, in a company that, that has a nice, diverse, mm -hmm. uh, an interesting um, team. Um, I remember my first day, I looked in the fridge and there were three different types of horseradish sauce. And I thought, hmm, <laughs> these are my people. <laughs> I um, and and you know, I was there for six years and it was and it was great. Um we worked on some not no trips to Australia, sadly, which is still something that I am um, a little bit bitter about. But um the uh yeah, there's some really, really exciting wines and and they were a little bit like cowboys, and I'm sure they don't mind me saying that, but uh, in the fact that you could say, oh, I think that Sainsbury's are looking for a rosé. How quick can we get that done? And within three months, uh, we had developed a new rosé and it was on the shelf. Boom. Uh, which was exciting. And, you know, to to really just be able to launch a product like that in, you know, in the space of the of time of it shipping from Australia to to the UK, having everything ready from a label, packaging, you know, packaging point of view was was incredible. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it was it was really exciting. <laughs> but um, then I had my little girl in, two years ago, um, and um, so I had a year off here, which is. I mean, on a personal level, another really exciting thing about the UK is that you get a year's maternity leave. Um, so it was really nice to have that year at home with her. Um, and then after coming back, uh, the role at Liberty popped up as they do, and um, some friends got in touch to say, "I think you should, we should, you know, this, you should try this role." And I did, and yeah, here we are, week one. It is week one, so uh, this is I'm, week one. I'm a bit of. It is. <laughs> there's lots to lots to still catch up on and yeah. and and learn. But yeah, so from what I've seen, it's amazing. They um they're an incredible team. They uh, their service is great. Um and some really exciting brands. They've got some cool South African brands as well. Um so yeah, it's it's nice to be in a company that has a little bit more of a diverse portfolio. Um, especially on the premium side, ABL is is very much um on the on the lower end of not lower end but that out. Uh, on the um more uh, approachable side of around you know between six to to nine pounds is their sweet spot where they we sell wine, champagnes from four hundred pounds to you know uh, sixty pounds or mm. you know, that sort of thing. So it's um it's nice to be on the on the premium side. And is it mainly all all wine products? They have a bit of olive oil as well, and okay. then a few other um, bits and pieces. But yeah, it's predominantly wine, predominantly Europe. Um, 
with so how the company started david gleave started imp uh, importing wines from france and australia um and he then has built the team up and they've got they're 25 years old this year um and we're now just a team of two over 200 uh, in the uk so really exciting growth especially over what the you know the uk has done in the last two years with um, on trade being closed um we are largely on trade based or on on premise based um and um they uh yeah they've really they've really shown great resilience to that and and i know the, the teams just keep on building so mm. sounds like you're back at vdp just a lot bigger kind of yeah it does <laughs> it does what, feel a lot like that what they import even craft beer yeah um, yeah, exactly. So, but they don't manufacture anything. It's all all imported or distributed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So they only. Um, but I do know that they have uh, certain projects or kind of um, own label mm. uh, wine. So I know they've got a project with Fairview, okay. um, and the Fairview team make their um, fair trade um, label wine. So it'll be it'll probably be their house pour wine if somebody wants a South African mm. house pour um, and yeah something that we can do, offer exclusively mm. okay can you share with us the the difference or the major differences between working in South Africa and the UK in the drinks industry um, I think everything's a lot more uh, relationship driven in Durban mm. uh, or in the in South Africa, it seems like everything is, um, you know, there's a lot of handshake contracts uh, or contracts drawn, you know, drawn up from Soviets and um, long-standing things. Where here it seems that everyone's a little bit more commercialized. Um, you know, I remember trying to get wireless and going, oh no, I'll train your team, no problem. We'll do three or four training sessions over the space of six months and we'll get everyone ready to go and um there i've seen some proposals this week where it's value added and there's values attached to every single thing that you add as as a business to their business so training sessions have got a value of um, just say you know 200 pounds per session um all of the point of sale like wine openers ice buckets that sort of thing is all kind of just a little bit more formalized mm. um so you know you don't ever walk into something and then something's happened that's not um you know that you don't know about it's, it's all kind of you've got a contract in place and it's all it's all very proper um but in terms of in terms of the people it's it's very much the same i mean what i what i have learned is that the wine industry is exceptionally small um wherever you are in the world um everybody knows somebody's cousin or uh work with that person or um and and no more than you know than, than, than i suppose more than uk and and south africa but i worked with a guy at australian vintage who um knew somebody uh that i knew from um from Cologne Corp and two, we all hang out together and, and, you know, I didn't know him in South Africa, but, you know, we're, we're good friends now and, and we've got a lot of people in common and um, yeah, it's, it's a small industry, no matter where you are in the world, mm. that's probably what I would say. Mm. And so use your contacts. <laughs> use your contacts. 
<laughs> and to get a job, I mean, as I, as I explained earlier, I think there's a lot of pressure in South Africa. The market hasn't recovered after the, the severe lockdowns. Sure. Um, and I think people are desperate and they're looking overseas, they're looking for opportunities. Um, how easy is it to find a job in the UK? Provided you have a visa um, mm. or you have uh, no need for sponsorship. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that it's there's a lot of opportunity at the moment. Um, there is, I'd, I would work with a good recruiter um, to try and open up those um, those conversations. Um, but also just using using your own network is is a great opportunity. Using um, job boards like uh, the drinks business has a great. A lot of the UK businesses post um, post jobs on 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 drinks business and Harpers, um, and yeah. So keep an eye out out on that. And I, I wouldn't say that people are um, less open to looking at you if you're still in South Africa. Um, provided you're open and honest about your need and your um, your determination to get here, mm. uh, um, I think that I don't think that that would be a problem to for people to hire um, when you're still in South Africa. And also, it's a great sense of security to move over with a job already, mm. um, depending on 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 your, on your visa or your passport um, situation. When you moved, did you have a job? No, no. I didn't. Um, but I got one within a week or two. Okay. And so how, there's, there's yeah. lots of opportunities at the moment. Mm. How has Brexit affected the market? The B word. Oh, the the don't sweat. Oh. Horrible. Um, it is, it's okay. I think more from a logistic point of view, it's a problem. Um, for a project that I worked on in a previous role was, was looking at back labels and just the logistics of trying to move stock from a UK warehouse to a you know a European warehouse to selling wine in, in a European way a shop that hasn't come from directly from or been bottled in the UK is yeah it's just it's trying to understand the, the legalities behind that and and what a label needs to say or doesn't need to say um, I think that's probably been the trickiest part um, because, uh, you know, in terms of uh, the dynamics of it, that I mean, it is what it is, but I think that um, both parties just haven't been able to work out what, what needs to, what needs to be said. So it's, it's still, there's still a lot of teething issues. Um, but for now, I think it's largely sorted. It is what it is. And mm. there's a grace period. And, and I think there's a few, um, things that are, you know, maybe being there's a blind eye being turned to a few things, but but other than that, it's it is what it is at the moment, and we are just trying to get past it and and get that get back to be the new normal. Mm. And it, surely it's affected the the job market. Definitely, and I definitely think that um, that is a reason for there being a lot of opportunity. Mm. Um, is that a lot of people post lockdown actually just went back to Europe and said, "Why am I slogging long hours to to not have you know to not have this lifestyle?" And they went back to the European countries and and just haven't bothered to come back. Um, it doesn't necessarily they've made it from a from a passport and visa point.
point of view, the UK has made it quite easy to stay. Um, there is um, certain options that you can that you can do to that. Then you can get a British passport, or you can get your residency. Um, and so that part's quite easy to do. I don't think that there's been any issues on that. I think it's more of a lifestyle. Um, so Brexit coupled with um, lockdown mm. has just meant that there's a lot of a lot of exits um, mm. uh, been happening. Um, and you'll see there's, I mean, if you if you walk around the streets, there's so many notices and windows saying, um, you know, please send your CV and um, looking for bar manager, looking for, especially in the restaurant trade, there's, there's such a, a need for waitresses and, um, uh, and bar staff or waiters and bar staff at the moment um, that, uh, yeah, it's, it's really um, affected the, the hospitality industry. Mm. And what, how bad was lockdown? Was there a liquor lockdown? No. No, no. You um, can't take the alcohol away from the Brits. I think that would cause <laughs> cause a riot. Um, well, we tried they, to do uh, that, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, they we so we have set up set up a bit differently where we can buy our spirits and wine all within a supermarket. So mm. you can go to Sainsbury's or Morrison's or Tesco, and you can do your entire shop we don't necessarily have we have bottle stores but um they tend to, they tend to be more specialists like majestic or um you know uh, lathwaites on online for example um and that uh they seem to have a bit more of a premium uh, uh selection so because the supermarkets were kept open and the supermarkets were prioritized um there wasn't any issue with stock. Stock. The only thing I would say is that in terms of distribution, alcohol wasn't prioritised when there was the, um, you know, when everyone was buying toilet paper and pasta and flour. There was the priority. There were certain priorities on certain products. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it's been released now, so I can I can say, but Australian vintage really. Um, had great sales because of lockdown because everyone was buying uh, from supermarkets and not necessarily on um, uh, from on restaurants anymore. So they were having you know drinks at home, and so the only places to buy that were um, were supermarkets. Mm. So yeah, we um, we had great sales be because of lockdown, um, and so um, yeah, it was it was a benefit for us. Mm -hmm. And. Your job now at Liberty Wines, do you want to talk about that a little bit? What what does that involve? So um, my role uh, with uh, with Liberty is um, now going to be looking at uh, you know looking at our customers, so our restaurants and uh, our specialist wine stores and and our grocery channel and and how we can really grow and develop our range within that um, within those sectors. Um, we've got uh, a job to do to to really become number one champagne of choice, uh, either by the glass or um, within the uh, within the, the lists of uh, within the wine lists. Um, I've also got another champagne. It's not just uh, Piper Heidsick that I look after, but it's a, another champagne called Rare, um, and 
it really is rare. They only make vintages uh, in certain years. So we're just looking at a launch now of um, uh, launching our new vintage of 2012. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's really exciting. So it's, uh, you know, look, working on campaigns, working on sponsorships with uh, various events. Um, there's a company here called Secret Cinema, um, We, uh, which is really a, an immersive experience into different series and movies. Um, it's a great, um, it's a great event if you ever can get to, to go on. And so we've just wrapped up a, a Bridgerton event um, where we were the, um, the champagne sponsor. And um, we are looking to do uh, the next one and, and see how, what that looks like uh, with them going forward. Uh, Piper Heitzig has got a great history with um, a movie and, uh, and film trade. So it's really trying to understand what our opportunities are uh, in the UK space with that. Um, but then also the nitty gritty side of it that's looking at allocations and, and understanding where we can uh, get best um, best results with, with the wine, with the champagnes that we have. Champagne is an infinite resource. It's not an infinite resource. We've got only a certain amount um, that we can produce and, and, and so on. Um, there is a shortage at the moment, um, uh, but also the, the UK markets are really a good place for, it's probably one of the top five markets for uh, champagne in the world. Um, the Brits do love their, their bubbles. Um, and so champagne is very much on the rise. Prosecco seems to be flattening out a little bit. Um, and, um, and champagne's really getting back on its, um, on its place in, in top form. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's an exciting position. Um, well, we are really excited to get stuck in. Mm. And it must be one of the top champagne brands in the world. Where does it fit in? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it, it is one of the grand marks. Um, we have big ambitions for it to be one of the top five uh, or top four. Um, we are independent, so we are family owned, um, which makes life a bit tricky when you are up against Moet Chandon and, and mm. Veuve Clicquot, who uh, are um, very widely distributed uh, and widely known and have amazing budgets to have their own pop-up cafes and uh you know that sort of thing so yeah it's uh we are very we are fortunate that we are we are well known um but uh we need we have, we've got challenges up against um some of the bigger the bigger brands and um but i think yeah i mean we to say fortunate as we are family owned to to have that wide distribution and, and um Vicky, are there some trends that you are picking up there that might be of interest to to South Africans? Do you know? It's something that what we have been observing that canned wine is very much a thing that's going to explode here. I think mm. the UKT UK population have been a bit slow to accept it. I know Bruce Jack's doing some um, some great stuff. He's that brand is is really growing uh, in leaps and bounds and and doing some innovative, um, really exciting things. Like you know, they just seem to be able to turn things on really quickly, which is great. Um, but yeah, seltzers are going to be big, I'd say. Um, flavored, the and no and low is is very much a trend that's here to stay. What um, is it? We no low. no and low. Mm. Yeah, so. 
zero percent mm. alcohol wine. Um, while I was at AVL, we we launched McGuigan Zero, which is the fastest growing brand in that category. And I think when I left, it was the um, the number one alcohol-free still wine brand in the UK, uh, which is huge for a brand that's only been around a year or two. Mm. Um, to replace things like Eisenberg and um, the Frisonet um, brands is, is great. So, yeah, that, that category is very much here to stay. The, um, everyone's looking to, um, you know, just the health and wellness side of that is, is, is big. Um, we're seeing more and more people that are coming of drinking age not really wanting to drink, mm. um, wanting, to, you know, to look after their health rather or, or even from just a – or even if they do want to drink, they're just not drinking uh, like they used to. Mm. I mean, not in my day. It couldn't. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't the case. Really. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, you got you turned eighteen and you you went to a nightclub and had a great night. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, so the known low category is is something that I think is is very much here to stay. Another trend, um, which is an interesting one, and it's a project that I worked on when I was still at AVL. Um, it's a sustainability trend, um, and actually, it's not—it's not really fair for me to say that it is a trend because it's actually a need. Um, there is um, a lot of greenwashing about from lots of brands um, pretending to be sustainable, and I'm sure they are. Um, but but it's a really deep um, rabbit hole, and, and I think any brand that can contribute in some way to the drinks industry and being more sustainable, whether that is reusing waste, preserving and conserving energy and using renewable energies, um, using lighter weight glass, um, practices within viticulture and viniculture, um, I think is uh, is is really important. Um, so, and the consumer wants to see that. They want to see that you are doing your part as a brand to, to make it, to, your, to fight to um, climate change, mm. um, and it's it's becoming more of an expectation, not necessarily a trend. Um, so, uh, and interestingly, um, I was in doing a bit of market research and and chatting to someone, and and I said, oh, you know, what do you, what would you say is a sustainable brand? And he said, oh, a lot of us South African wines are sustainable, aren't they? And I said, oh, are they? And he said, yeah, I said, oh, what, what do you think makes them sustainable? And he couldn't really tell me, but because of the fair trade, the work that the surfing wine industry has done with fair trade and organic and um, really just harnessing the, the power of, you know, natural winemaking, I think collectively the South African wine brands are really benefiting from a sustainable uh, reputation, which is which is really fantastic. Mm. Um, and that's a lot of, uh, I mean, I don't know if that was planned, but um, it's a it's it's quite enviable of of a lot of the wine um, brands around the world. So yeah, uh, sustainability and no and low is is probably the biggest trends that I'd I'd see. Victoria, thank you very much. And thank you. It was wonderful catching up again. Yeah, nice to catch up with you. Thank you for listening to our stories here online. In the show notes, you will also find a link where you can subscribe to become part of our community and be notified when we upload our latest content.